Hello and welcome back yes. to the Dad and Stunts podcast. Fuck yes. There he is. Here he is. You got, did you guys miss me or you guys are, you know, enjoying that, you know, top tier podcast moments like the last <laughs> one. It's back to the mediocre now that I'm here. Hey, we're back by name. Okay, podcast. Dude, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're just we're just fulfilling our, our title of namesake prophecy. People are getting what they are coming here for. Which is an okay podcast. If we were good every week, Matt, then people would actually like us, and I don't think any of us could deal with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much. We'd have to reboot the, the branding yeah. and the art and the slogan. <laughs> Matt, where have you been? How, how you doing? We'll get you back. I've been, I've been working. I've been, I've been working. Like, uh, we're talking like 15-hour shifts. Working or nine plus. to five plus that little bit extra. <laughs> Usually with these projects, it seems yeah, it seems to uh, get a little busy, like for like a whole month, and then it kind of um, peters out. Are you like yeah. like okay? Oh, yeah. Like how yeah. how's the brain? How's the the backbone? The oh, uh... the brain is mush for sure. The brain is mush, uh... but I've I got some sleep last night, and I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Nice. <laughs> That's all you need to make an okay podcast. It's all you is need. Some sleep and a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> How you guys been doing? Yeah, I mean the same. Complete brain mush most of the days. Yeah, but it's good to have you back, bro. Good to have you back. Yeah, yeah. It seems weird. It's two weeks without 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 talking to you guys. It's uh just little Discord chats, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, just catch ups, but it's it's. It's, it feels normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, back to normalcy. But I'm I'm here to bring some unnormal stuff and probably make George a little uncomfortable. George, guess what oh, I got into? That's how you know it's a normal podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, you came a year ago with, like, George. I'm trying to get into the Odyssey. <laughs> oh, I remember This time, that. like, it could be... Oh, Matt's Matt Matt on the docket is blank, and I feel like that's on purpose. <laughs> did, did 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 you get into learning how to make ramen, um, curry? Or did you watch the Social Dilemma? Are you are you seeing a fun documentary that's that's scaring you? Uh, um, um, what does Matt do? Is it aliens? Are you hanging out with people and enjoying other people's company? <laughs> oh, oh, well. Uh, side note. I did get my uh, my 5G shot uh, <gasps> yes. two days ago. So my first yes. 5G shot, I'm 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 almost fully wireless. I need to wait 20, 21 days and I'll be fully wireless. So. That that's when the thoughts start coming into your head from the gates uh, mindplex. I can't believe both of you will be vaccinated and I won't be. Can't believe I have to sound 4G. <laughs> yeah. And, and Japan is, is supposed to be like the high-tech city of tomorrow where, where everyone yeah. is, is flying around in mecha robots, but apparently they are not number one, because right now USA's number one on the vaccines, <laughs> baby. Hell yeah, we're number one on vaccines and UFO alien disclosure. <laughs> USA! Sorry, I didn't mean to steal the spotlight. Let me stop that. <laughs> no, you're good. I'm gonna... Have you ever ho heard of uh, OpenSea.io? No, right? None of you guys? No. Okay, uh, the, so, name, right. the name I'm, rings a bell. How out of touch am I? Yeah. Okay. 
What? Just Google it. I'm sorry. Oh I'm no. Oh no. Oh no. Oh my God. Matt. Matt. <laughs> now right, I want Matt. you to put in. Now I know. Now I know. I want you to put in Bored Apes Yacht Club, right? <laughs> Bored Ape Yacht Club. Oh, right. Okay. These monkeys. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you see the <laughs> prices of those? Uh, so okay. Uh, kind of. I see the ethere. Uh, what is it? Ethereum. 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 That's that's not a dollar sign. So how much is one point seven nine Ethereum? Let's look it up. It, Ethereum is down right now, so one point. Oh, I bet it's like four grand or something, isn't it? Yes, you were you were exactly right, Liam. Whoa, four thousand two hundred seventy dollars and seventy three cents of of USD. So Matt. I own one of those, but <laughs> I didn't pay that price. How much did I bought it before it exploded? <laughs> Matt, no. You know the energy costs oh, the behind the in the the Bitcoin farms spewing their fumes in the desert. Why? Why did we bring you back? Oh no! I bought one of those. Because I saw like the community behind it, and then it exploded the next day, and and I haven't sold it yet, but I made thousands of dollars on it. <laughs> oh no! No, you can should you, sell it as soon as possible. Can you tell us which one it is? Didn't didn't NFTs like completely implode yeah. last week? Yeah, it's 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 such an obvious bubble. It's a volatile market. It's, you you got to so? sell that ASAP. Did it? Didn't it implode like last week? Like it imploded and it was down. Yeah, well, it was down before, like a little bit before last week, a little bit before that. But crypto punks were still selling at thirty four thousand. So which one did you Jesus. buy? It's not going to be up because I don't have it for sale. But it's like a red skin with zombie eyes. You know, it's like a like a hipster looking one. These things have sold for forty nine Ethereum. Some of these things. Well, well, here we go. First yeah. question, number one: Why would anyone pay that much money for what I'm guessing is a JPEG? Isn't it fascinating? I, I mean, you would know, right? Because, because you're you're into it now. You should be able to yes. answer this mysterious <laughs> mystery question. You know, I it's hard to kind of answer that. I've I've been obsessed with this. I've been obsessed with this for a week now, trying to figure out. What is the deal with this? And it's like, um, I would bog it down to, because it's an argument that's constantly happening. I would bog it down to collectibles. There's only 10,000 of these, right? It's the same thing as CryptoPunks where it's automatically generated what type of um, characteristics each ape has. Some of them have zombie skins. Some of them have halos. Some of them have a bored face. Some have gumbag eyes. They all do some randomly generated thing and some of them are rare some of them are not but some of them actually because of it's randomly generated some of them have like the luck of having all these things that match together match those become the rare ones you know like having like the one that sold for 49.9 was like a trippy hat and a trippy skin at the same time, which both have 
like lower than one percent to get on an ape. But 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 how is this? You own you own the ape. You can even sell it on t-shirts if you want to. Like it's and and you are also in the club of the ape, which allows you to buy merchandise and stuff like that when they drop it out. Like this, this like it's a whole nother thing. What is the difference between buying one of the apes with with cryptocurrency versus making an ape in Photoshop and copy pasting the JPEG and sharing it around? And well, well, I mean, it's it's not yours, I guess. That's that's pretty much that's pretty much it. So you get like IP. Imagine a future. In a world where you can buy and sell JPEGs. <laughs> you can uh, actually use the NFTs and put them in like virtual space or something like that. Or like there's there's like this world called the sandbox where like Dead Mouse and like a lot of these like like musicians, stuff like that are buying these virtual spaces in this virtual world where people can go into. It's like Minecraft. It looks like Minecraft right now. If you look up the sandbox and they sell these plots of land. Oh, yeah. So it's just can... like literally called the sandbox. That's the name of the product. Yeah. 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 Not not an adjective. And they have like little concerts there and stuff like that. But imagine a world where let's say you can just slide in your NFTs in these virtual worlds. Okay. And you will only be able to do that through like your real NFTs. Right. But like. I don't think that really matters to some people. And I think that's why it's mostly going to be like, I think of it as a mostly a, a collectible thing. Where it's just like you people are collecting these because this is like the next like grown up Pokemon cards. Are, are, are criminals collecting them? Is this one of those art laundering money I, schemes? I do where we're think abstract? people launder. Absolutely people launder on OpenSea for sure. All, all, but not. I don't think with the apes, but like with like other things, like they'll they'll just put up a random thing, and people would buy it, like just random shit, random, <laughs> random artwork. So, 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 who do you, who do you think drives up the price to the point where like four thousand dollars is normal? Like, is this all just rich people or or actual? I I I am so out of touch. I have no idea. People like Pranksy. What is Pranksy. Pranksy is uh there's this it's this person. There's there's these don't you know um when you watch these movies and all these like these uh these like sci-fi shows, you have like these people who are like they're part of this like virtual world, they're like hackers, but you don't know their names and shit like that. That's what mm -hmm. Pranksy is kind of like an entity. Like it's like he or she buys up a shit ton of NFTs and resells them over and over again and supposedly he or she started with like three ethereum and kept flipping it until he or she became what they are <laughs> you know so like i don't know it, like it's wild it's wild people have been flipping for a while and now bored apes have um passed over crypto punks which sell for what the, the highest one was 7.7 .7 million for crypto. <gasps> so there's like like these different categories of characters. Like like it almost sounds like <gasps> a Pokemon sort of market. There's there's yeah. crypto yeah. punks and bored apes and they're like cute animals that automatically generate when you buy one of these. I still feel like the two most fundamental questions of why do they get so expensive and who is driving up the cost of that? Oh no, third question. 
Like, what what is unique about this compared to other digital marketplaces for art before, which have a lot of holes in them that uh, open up people for, for unauthorized sharing and copyright infringement because you can just copy a JPEG. Like, what is stopping that here? Well, I'm not going to say I'm, I'm, I am a master of this stuff and I know everything, but I can show you something. Click on one of the apes. Okay. You're going to see offers. You're going to see price history of when it was bought and what yeah. price it was paid. You're going to see all uh -huh. the listings. You're going to see the properties of that ape that's built into it. Yeah, I, I got bored cigarette, uh, hypnotized. You're going to see the trading history, and it tells you everyone who's had it. It used to be a lot cheaper. I mm -hmm. see, I see. Yeah, that is what you were talking about, right? This is all built in into the blockchain. Like, it's all built in on it. Like... You have history of everything. It's like selling the Mona Lisa over and over again, but you know, you can just look up who bought the Mona Lisa, Mona Lisa and when it was a low price and when it was a high price and when all that. So just at that small tier, like there's a lot of people who say a lot of things of what this can be in the future, but just at that small tier, that's kind of, it's kind of cool. Not gonna lie. I can't wrap my head around the fact that these motherfuckers just copied and pasted an ape template they ha they made. And now they're making money. Every time an ape is sold, they get a cut. They get a cut, Liam. Every time. <laughs> I still don't get what the use value comes from. Like, how do they determine the price? No, the price is based on the market. Yeah, yeah. it's sell and demand. It's very... Damn it. The use value versus the sell and demand are two completely different things. I don't understand the want to own one i i don't understand mm -hmm. that but the the sell and demand i understand something's rare it sells people demand it but in terms of actually the collectible value of it like i don't get that i i can't wrap my head around it it seems so pointless considering the idea that you can copy and paste it like you could tell me you own it but I still wouldn't care. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> like, it doesn't, yeah. it's, it's not a tangible physical thing. So um, it doesn't when, when make like, sense to me. When, when trying to visualize this tapping into a market who's still going to care in four to five years, I have a hard time visualizing that. Because it seems like, like it came this year, it busted this year, and I was getting ready to never hear about these again up until... <laughs> Up until Matt is now into it. Okay. So, Matt, can you tell us how much you bought your ape for and how much it's worth now? Um, I bought my ape for about 1500 And now that ape... Oh. Yeah. Oh and now that ape... And now that ape is, I would say, with the specs... The surgeries. Six, the surgeries. A, an easy $6,000. <laughs> an easy $6,000. Yeah. Is that like all of your savings are based in a PNG ape? <laughs> Not all of my savings, though. I don't spend money that, I, <laughs> that I'm just going to... You got to wear out the wrist there. <laughs> Diversify your portfolio, kids. You want some JPEGs and some BMPs, too, in case one of them goes down. This is not me advocating to buy NFTs. It's, let me just put that out there. <laughs> but just like I said, when virtual reality came out, I'm going to go say this is not going to go away. Crypto, I don't think, is going to go away. 
crypto is definitely not going to go away. I'm basically yeah. a crypto daddy now. Like that, that's not going to go away. I don't think NFTs are going to go away. I think it's only going to get ridiculous um, and more and more ridiculous. It's uh, it's being in the space and having a friend at work that's also like in the space and like us talking about different stuff. Like it just it's a thing. It's a fucking thing. And it, you could understand it, but like it's still going to be a thing and people are still going to buy this thing. There's like people were arguing on Twitter just the other day about like people buying and selling like they want regular people to be able to buy it because it's just too high now. Like you have to spend five thousand dollars just to get into the club. And that sucks. But yeah, yeah, this that's that's it's a, it's the argument that you guys have is constantly being had. It's, it's still it's still kind of early. The first NFTs were like what somewhere around the crypto punks, and that was like two two thousand seventeen, and those were given out for free, and now they, and now people people are 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 paying thousands of dollars for it. It's really weird. Do you think about the energy consumption issue around NFTs? I think it's going to change. I don't think it's going to Ethereum. Change. I don't think Ethereum is going to be. People do vote for Ethereum and people still stay with Bitcoin and there will be arguments on both sides. But I do think something like Cardano or any of the low solutions, which whichever altcoin or if you want to even call them altcoins at this point. So how much is your NFT worth? So I'm, if it's six, I imagine it's about two ethereum like like 2.5 or something like that yeah okay so it takes 83.6 days based on calculations from may of 2021 to mine one ethereum so it would take 166 <laughs> days to mine your monkey to spank your monkey matt would take 180 days <laughs> 160 days sorry 166 days it would take to uh mine your monkey Wait, no, no, I don't think it, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's like that. Yeah, yeah, no. According to the latest energy consumption around Ethereum, one Ethereum would take eighty-three days of mine mining. That's the mining. That's like transactions and stuff like that. Yes. So the energy it would require to mine it would be eighty-three days of computers being on twenty-four-seven. Yeah, but you can speed that up by stacking one GTX 3080 on top of another and filling up a whole building with it and and shoveling oil into the chimney while you do. I, I would I would really like to buy my graphics card now. I've been waiting seven months. Can someone, someone please <laughs> stop scalping these things? I want one. God damn it. I want to render in Blender. It's the fucking NFT market. That's the one yeah. that's causing these issues for you. You, <laughs> you are now in the loop of these financial incentives where you can use the money you earned to buy a bunch of graphics cards to buy more. No, women. no, no. I, I don't. I'm not a miner, dude. I'm I, I'm definitely more of an investor than anything else. For sure. I'm definitely so what are you going to do? Are you going to flip the monkey or are you going to keep it? Because uh, six grand I'm, from a grand. Oh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait a while. Flip I'm a holder, monk. my friend. Flip the monkey. Flip the monkey. Flip the monkey. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to wait on that motherfucker. That's just going to go up. And then I'll be like, oh, you guys told me to sell. You guys told me to sell. Fuck it in, in, in Jude. But what if it goes down? What no, if it, yeah, what if it's it, gonna go down and we're gonna be like, we told you to sell. We told well, you to sell. That, that and I'll be okay with that. I'll be okay with that. Are you gonna still come and do the Dad and Sons podcast when you're a millionaire? <laughs> 
I don't think I'll be a millionaire through apes. I'll probably be, I'll, if anything, I'll do it through like some crypto that I put money into right now before like, like shit's going down right now. And I'm just like trying to, trying to buy a little bit of that dip. I'm almost like, I'm not tempted because I morally can't, can't justify it. It's like, I morally can't, but I do like the idea of literally making like various different pixel art variations and then running a script that auto generates combos based on those clothing items and then being like here is pixel art trading cards and then selling them as nfts i thought i was gonna come on here you guys are gonna be excited and we're gonna make some dad and sons nfts (laughs) some 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 crypto daddies nfts oh Oh, no, you got to know the optics of this. The the way the audience would react might uh might might not be worth the cost benefit analysis. They're, they're now... very unpopular in this this circle. Oh, I'm really? Wondering... Am I the only one? I I'm okay with being the only one. <laughs> I'm okay. I think it's the moral ambu- ambiguity of mm-hmm. the energy consumption crisis based around these. And also there's just so many spiraling factors. One, it's unregulated. Two, it's obviously a harboring mess for crime. <laughs> Easily laundering money through Bitcoin is quite well known. Uh, and yeah. also some of the, you know, cryptocurrency. China, yeah, exactly. Energy consumption is something we haven't solved worldwide from stopping us from almost certain doom immediately. And the fact that one of the largest consumers of energy in the in this decade is now just just happened and is spiraling out of control. Oh. Unfortunately people are jealous of people who make money, so that always makes people unhappy about it. So Oh boy. Okay. I <laughs> kinda like it decentralized. I don't give a fuck about the banks. Yeah that <laughs> I that- don't care about those guys but all. the problem is you can't regulate you can't un- have it completely unregulated regarding like the fact that people can just launder money through it people can just do certain things you know because people do it anyway because if you're not turning that money into cash right because yeah. you don't need to because you can buy stuff with cryptocurrency right el salvador just became like the first country in the world to recognize cryptocurrency as like an actual currency within their country's economy. Mm-hmm. So that is going to happen, especially as the energy crisis consumption around it becomes more uh, yeah, solved that's... or better, which it probably will do the more people invest in it. The fact is then you don't have to ever declare that money through tax, through banks, because no one can track that money. No, you have an account? Where's the account? Like, is it an American account? Is it a Swiss account? It doesn't matter. Fuck them. <laughs> so, like, that is... People will come down hard. Like, especially America. Because mm-hmm. American government don't like anybody yeah, yeah. not paying that money, right? Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And something's going to come down hard. <laughs> I know yeah. something's going to come down. I got to live in this fantasy world. Um, But hopefully, there's something that's built that's uh not as stupid as what we got now. Because America is just <laughs> stupid. Well, we also should have switched off of the fossil fuels like 15 years ago. But, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, that never happened because of how powerful the rich people are able to buy lobbyists compared to normal people. And we just got another big Panama Papers style report dropping this morning God, so of fun. how the top 0.001% do not pay federal income tax at all that that it is so extremely discouraging looking at the ways in which even the 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 evil greedy rich fucks are less productive than they used to be before 
For example, if I was a criminal and wanted to launder my money, if I opened a good old-fashioned laundromat <laughs> where, where you know, I, I didn't have to do anything but put my drug money in the machines and then take it out and report that on my tax forms, at least I'm providing a service for my local community. <laughs> yeah. Like, at least you're providing the world with a laundromat that wasn't there before, rather than, than a few more lines of ethereal, abstract code <laughs> of software that don't exist in the real world that don't have use value in the real world that don't have utility value in the real world and that's where i think the bubble's going to burst from is it's going to get to a point where the rich people will lose interest it'll be up to the normal people to figure out where where their value in this stuff's coming from and i think that's when you got to sell and i think that's going to come sooner than it sounds like you're predicting but at the same time i don't know i don't i, I don't know any of this stuff you're you're more of an expert than both of us are now at this point. You you said the same thing for virtual reality, and now you 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 can't live without it. I don't <laughs> think I did. I you thought did. That I was like you did. <laughs> no, no. I remember playing Super Hot VR for the first time. And Jerry was there too. Jerry. No, the it was it, <laughs> Gerard the Completion Art. Yeah, that guy. He was in California. He was like, do you, you think, you think, he was like, you, do you really think VR is going to be that good? Oh, you're talking about an episode of the TOVG podcast. Yeah, I was the only guy. I was the only guy. Jimmy was like, whatever. Uh, he was playing <laughs> WoW. And then um, <laughs> you were like, uh, I don't know. This is too expensive for plastic. And then, you know. Oh, well, yeah, true. <laughs> it's still true to this day. Yeah, still true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In hindsight, you're like, maybe, maybe I wasn't so hard on no, it. No, no you see, were hard on it. The thing is, one of the foundational experiences that did get me into VR was playing super hot VR at your house on your Oculus. Like, yeah. I totally remember coming out of that a changed man. Yeah, I, I, I just had to show you. That's all. I, I don't think this is the same thing. There, there was the salad bowl with Minecraft. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think this is the same. The NFTs is very like it's it's it, crypto in, in general is very complicated. It's, it's even more money for less plastic. <laughs> yes, very less plastic. <laughs> very less plastic. So you don't even get any metal. No, no, just just something in your wallet that says you own something. You're not even <laughs> buying cables to break things. If you bought a VR headset and then society collapses, you, you know, you, you will have to run to your fallout shelter. At least you have like a pile of scrap plastic and scrap metal to turn into something more useful. If you spend all your money on an NFT, you just got the thought in your head. I'm going to say 1500 is not much to spend on a, a maybe thing that might explode later. It feels you know like that to you. But we know what kind of clients you have. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do have. Okay, I do have clients. Yes, I. Yes, I mean, yes, yes, yes. But yeah, of course. Does it, does it like I? I got in at the right time, and sometimes you just got to get in at the right time. Yeah, you know, I mean, I can't necessarily like blame you. I I know that you also are a very hardworking uh, 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 fellow comrade of the working class, so to speak. So so I do. You are not in 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 the enemies list in my mind. Not like um. 
of like, oh, I, I need insurance. I need, you know, insurance money and all that type of stuff. No, no, I'm, no. I'm pretty sure you do pay more taxes than Jeff Bezos does. That's the. I definitely do. I definitely do. Yeah. yeah. I've probably you... paid more tax to America than Jeff Bezos has. And I've never <laughs> fucking you... been there. <laughs> if you spent more than $770, then you paid more money in taxes than the president of the United States himself. Jesus Christ. For, former. Thank God. Yeah, wow. Um it must be nice, dude. Eh, well then like the 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 loneliness starts to set in. The realization that all your friends are only your friends for the money. A lot of rich people get divorced, you know, the marriages don't last long. The problem, the offset of the luxurious lifestyle of having anything you want and not having to pay taxes for it is generally offset by a miserable social lifestyle that does manifest into like some statistics where old old men with money do tend to be at high risk for suicide in their later years. So money does not buy happiness so much as it buys uh, convenience and makes it easier. All of which was beautifully captured in a recent Netflix comedy special by <laughs> Bo Burnham called Inside that everyone on the Discord recommended I watch this week. Liam watched it all on his own, so I guess we both get to talk about it, but... I did. Uh... Why, why did everyone recommend that I would watch this? I can't imagine they did it because they thought I would enjoy it. No one said that when they were recommending me this. They said that I would have a crisis from watching it. And, and yeah, I guess. Thanks. Thanks. I hate it. Ah. So I'm assuming you didn't enjoy it. No, I did. I, I hated it the whole way through just the way you're supposed to, right? Right? It was kind of like a BoJack Horseman sort of thing, like like a stare into the abyss with a sense of humor about it all. I feel like I can see why you personally, after the year you've had, uh, relate to it, maybe, or you're looking in a reflection of someone. But it's performance art, right? Right. You know, the only thing I recognize in this piece this what is it like it's like a movie it's not really a movie it's a comedy uh, show uh matt have you heard of this no okay so bo burnham's inside is a musical comedy special by a guy who would sing funny songs on youtube in front of a stage and it's about uh the 2020 quarantine the idea is that he would do a comedy special inside his apartment all by himself and it ended up taking a year and became a project about exploring how bad his mental health was. So you have fun, cute songs that end up veering into some dark direction towards the end, cut between shots of like him just setting things up in his room by himself and how frustrating it is. It's very like like non-traditional and weird. Like it almost yeah. feels like it's deliberately unfinished. Like the ending of that big Kanye album where he goes scoopity poop. You can tell that the guy doing it is having a mental breakdown and wants to stop and just ship something. And that ends up being the powerful message explored. I'm not 100% clear that Bo Burnham is entirely honest about like that mental health aspect of that and whether he's playing a character who's showing his loss of sanity as it's very cohesive. The entire piece is very cohesive all the way through. It's very timeline structured. It's obscure and obtuse at times, but still very cohesive. And his songs are always about a contextual element related to literally the 2020s. 2021, 2020, and the situation that's happening to everybody. Still talks a lot about racial problems, talks a lot about like social economic problems. He still has a very fair good grasp on reality in a lot of it. The um wow. 
the thing I took away from it that I look at is not necessarily about the idea of being stuck inside and working on something or about quarantine. It is quite fair when I watched it, I was like trying to pull a project together and slightly losing your sanity and your mental stress over it. I fully was like, damn, this is, this is real. This real. Um, and yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it because it is kind of different. It's very interesting. Like kudos, the fact that he did it entirely in that one room in that house. The best song on there though is the first song I saw before I even watched the entire thing, which is Welcome to the Internet. And now I know that song line for line because I've listened to it so many damn times. What is it? Apathy is a crime and boredom yeah. is wrong. No, apathy is a tragedy. Ap- apathy is a tragedy and bored- boredom is a crime. Yeah, it's 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 a de- exploration of of the depression of creative angst. I feel I very much enjoyed his commentary about Death Stranding as well. Oh fuck off! <laughs> uh, I just like to take the quote. Um, yeah, this game reminds me a lot of Death yeah. Stranding. Um, yeah, you know it's fucking boring, but that's the point. <laughs> favorite favorite quote of the the whole film. I had to snap myself out of it a couple times, to be honest. Like there were a lot of moments where it did seem too raw to me. It did strike me as authentic. And and I was like afraid for myself and him as it went through. There was a layer of dramatic irony to it. And I don't think I ended up watching it as a comedy like Liam might have. Like I was seeing. I didn't watch it as a comedy. There's no, okay. it's not a comedy. Yeah. It's, like it's I lightly chuckled piece. maybe three, four times. The and that songs was it. have funny undertones to them they are comedy songs about serious issues but a lot of comedy songs especially british comedy songs have always been about social issues the welcome to the internet one is the most poignant one to me because it's dark it's dark but it is like the song is written and structured about you bouncing back and forth between the the hilarious entertainment side of the internet and then the horrible dark side that we all all look at and have to face on social media every day that song is easily the best one there and then Mostly the songs I don't remember, to be honest. The one that starts the whole thing, which is like a quarantine song about FaceTiming his mom. Kind of funny. Yeah. But it's more the cuts and the set pieces and everything about it that is interesting. He does a lot of incredibly good filmmaking for the fact that he's experimenting with lights and stuff inside of that room and the compositions he does. And those those Twitter projectors you get for going viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good. The white woman's Instagram song, that one where he basically reenacts cliche photos of white women on Instagram, that is pretty funny. And the amount of setup that must have taken is a, is a fair amount of time. Uh, I enjoyed it. I love the little bits where he's kind of losing his sanity in, in the bits between. I don't think he's fully losing it. I think a lot of it is acted, but personally, but I can understand why. That still could mean that it came from like a real raw place of a bad take that didn't make it into the final cut. Agreed. There's one part that absolutely cut to my core. I wonder if people would be expecting this one. And I don't remember if it's the end of the internet song or a different one, but he ends up like making a joke about suicide at the end of the song and then stops. That is the end of the song. He did not want to write more. He wanted to go into speech mode after that. And that totally like relates to me being like oh god i suddenly put way too much of myself in this project i gotta cut that sentence out and do it again but then the speech he ends up going on later is him like looking at the camera and insisting that he's not suicidal and doesn't feel suicidal because i mean he still feels happy when he's asleep and oh god i wish i did not hear that i really fucking wish i did not hear that 
it's oh. it's interesting because like listening to that for me as the person I am, if I hear someone say that, I don't always take it so seriously. Considering just today something happened with a project I'm working on where I said literally to somebody, "If this doesn't get sorted, I'll be dead by the end of the day." <laughs> like, Whoa! As a kind of this is serious, fuck me, kill me, project suck, right? So in the context, the way he is describing it or the way he's on screen, I always find it like it's coming from the place I would say those kind of things, which is like, fuck, this sucks. Kill me now. Um, kind of. But then like, like he stopped and clarified and wanted to insist it's not a joke, but ended up accidentally diving into the mechanisms of what made him make the joke in the first place and where he weighs his emotional energy against his happiness, against his future prospects. And like, but then I wonder, I wonder if that kind of thing is like him understanding his audience and, and making sure to add those tidbits in, in case of the, just in case, um, I don't know. I, I definitely have maybe didn't. I enjoyed it. I, I don't take it so seriously. I think some of the songs are quite poignant, but in terms of him, I still have to remember he's rich and that is like yeah. his barn in his big mansion house. And that was that was his studio and not his whole room. You could tell that too. There was no bed in there. Take it with a pinch of salt. <laughs> but I did, I did enjoy it. The ending struck me as very authentic and raw and genuine too because it does look and feel unfinished. And then he like says as much before the credits roll. Yeah. And, and the, the title song was possible ending song, <laughs> possible ending song, possible ending song. Right. Yeah. Like it's one of the four light chuckles that, that you have through this thing. Possible ending song. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. I think the, the welcome to the internet song is the one that stuck with me the most. And I listen to that song quite frequently. It is dark and, uh, and, and like the full version of it where he's like laughing at the end, like maniacally, I, I enjoy quite a lot. I recommend it. I think it's important. I would not say I enjoyed it. There's a lot of people who are not gonna, not gonna be able to easily enjoy something like this, but I think it is an important artifact of our times about exploring the negative emotions and coping with the negative emotions that, that we have had to deal with. Remember the part where he like looks in the mirror and says, I'm gonna finish this, uh, this special before the coronavirus is, is out of of our systems and then it cuts to like six months later and he says i'm gonna finish this before the year and when 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 you don't have any motivation to do something because the only way you can feel happy is going to sleep i can totally see how that would happen i think yeah it'll hit differently for everybody in different yeah. ways i think i saw a lot of it from project standpoints as well like how you lose your sort of sanity over the the period of a project and how draining it can be to think about those things. And yes, sleep is kind of the only, we literally were talking before we started recording about sort of how my brain is a bit of a mess today because of trying to mentally hold with an entire flow diagram in my head of multiple different things all the time. And that is kind of mentally taxing. And then when you go to sleep, even like last night, going to bed and then sitting in bed and I was like, I have to write something down. I have to write it down. I can't go to bed with all these things in my head. And I want the peace of sleeping <laughs> to be able to <laughs> sleep well. So if I record or, or write down these thoughts, it's a bit more helpful. Um, but it is kind of all consuming. So I understand it from that project standpoint. Maybe not so much his mental sanity overall. I don't think there's too much about the quarantine in it. 
just the idea of him being inside in one room is the stick. Uh, I think I think it's worth a watch. It's one of the better things I've seen on Netflix in a while. Some people will bounce off it because some of the songs are just not very good, to be honest. I feel like you, we're making a trade-off in our lives of amount of time spent sleeping decreases amount of productivity time spent awake, which decreases the amount of happiness you have in your life. But you need sleep in order to be happy, because if you're awake, the thoughts of, of all the other obligations you have on your mind that you're behind on will prevent you from getting to sleep. So hmm. there's, there's, there's a very destructive cycle that I feel was being thoroughly, adequately, honestly explored. I still think that like the best 2020 movie of the internet driving someone crazy is uh, feels good man though that's this I, this is under that same umbrella in my brain is like movies about artists getting driven crazy and and because of modern times yeah this is definitely the most 2020 21 thing i've seen in most recent history anyway other thing i can think of the most it's like i'm hesitant to say it's good but i recommend it i do recommend it as right a watch. yeah yeah i don't think yeah. i personally i don't think matt would enjoy it i think that would no. find the songs not that great and be like matt's too happy what's this crazy white dude just complaining about in his rich big house he should buy some (laughs) nfts matt just 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 hit it big on the nft market after uh... that is not big that is not big i'm almost tempted to be like what if we made three dad and sons nfts just three one of each of us and they were one of one of each of us yeah would they bang would they bang matt probably not (laughs) <laughs> we could sell them for ten dollars each. Point zero 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 one ETH. <laughs> that wouldn't even cover the gas costs, right? For the fact that you. No. <laughs> Jesus! What a shitty market! Oh boy! Yeah, that's why it has to change. It has to change. I wonder who would buy. Everyone would be clambering to buy the George one. Unfortunately. Oh, we could have the picture of. Oh, oh my God. What if we could make it so the JPEG of George falling off the bed is literally a one of yeah, one? I knew it. The yeah, falling off yeah. the bed. The falling <laughs> off the bed, George, one of one. And that's it. That person owns that image of Super Bunny Hop. That's my picture. I took that. Well, <laughs> nobody, somebody owns Matt's picture of Georgetown. The, the Magfest gaming crevasse. <laughs> When I was falling into the bed with uh, the wall in the way. and Oh, no, 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 no. That wasn't mine. No, 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 no. It was another MacFest photo. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Okay. I know what well, Yeah, because there also was a screw attack gaming convention, gaming crevasse that I fell into for some other photos in history. But regardless, that's all in history. Like, uh, one of Matt's favorite games of all time, called Gears of War. I see, Matt, on the outline that you have been checking out uh, a, a new modern Square Enix reinterpretation of uh, the old big hairy men wearing automobiles for armor cover shooter. <laughs> you were playing Outriders. Outriders, yeah. Um... <laughs> it's oh, do, do you have fun. nothing planned? It's fun. <laughs> I didn't know people were still playing this. I've not even heard anybody talk about it recently. I just love the, like, how much of a pregnant pause there was. The drama. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was on sale. Grabbed it up. Started playing with somebody. It, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know if I would play this by myself. 
But with some money, it's it's pretty fun. I gotta say, the voice acting for like your main character is pretty ridiculous. Like you're just like this dude that just walks around or girl walks around and just does what he wants. <laughs> just shooting people in the face. I've heard it's funny. Like it's a, a comedy kinda. Oh yeah, very dry, very dry comedy. It's quite amusing, and I'm not gonna lie. It's like, okay, I, I can see this through. Man, the cover system could use some work. Man, like nothing is like gears. I don't understand. It's it's gotta be simple to just copy and paste gears. Why can't they just make gears? <laughs> well they did, didn't they? They made a better version of gears called Bulletstorm, the same devs, right? And that was hella fun. And then they didn't they make Judgment? Was it Gears Judgment? Judgment. Yeah. People can fly. They did Painkiller and Gears of War Judgment, and then Bulletstorm. I don't know if it was better in terms of the cover system, but like Bullet this Storm one was is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. That's the they, they they also technically developed Duty Calls: The Calm Before the Storm as uh, the the Bulletstorm pack-in parody game. That was cute, I guess. Uh, and then it went serious with Outriders. That's interesting. Got that Square Enix money. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a great game. Fighting the bosses. And they're a little bit bullet spongy. But they have like these like moves that you can interrupt. And it, like, it, 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 it repeats itself after a while. But it is kind of fun. And when it gets hard, most of the time, it's justified. Some of the time it is not. Some of the time it is just broken. <laughs> People hitting you through walls and stuff, especially one's particular fight. <laughs> but uh, it is kind of satisfying to beat those fights that are uh, pretty, pretty difficult. I'm not gonna say that there is a lot of satisfaction in Outriders. I can understand why it's mixed though. For thirty bucks though, eh, I fuck with it. I fuck with it. I'll fuck with it. Yeah, 30 bucks. What level have you got to? Uh, 24, I think. Is that a lot? Yeah, that's a lot. I think so. I, I got all my, my abilities, but I, I still haven't maxed out a tree yet. But I think I'm getting to the end. How many hours do you reckon you've played of it? I think it's about 18. That's pretty decent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not the usual... Uh, Matt, yeah, it's twenty hours. Uh, it's not the usual okay. amount, but <laughs> no, too busy doing that NFT business. Uh, no, <laughs> one NFT, and I'm all of a sudden NFT business. <laughs> Go buy NFTs, guys. Waste all your money. It's all going downhill from here. I'm wondering how what what the long list of subtleties and minor little details of polish go into making it not feel as good as gears and now even with that 30 dollar price tag it's still noticeable to you like as a hardcore gears fan it feels oh like, my like God, a poor man so not- gears to you it is a poor man's cover system oh absolutely like like why do they have jumping over cover as separate buttons like you don't need separate buttons like i don't, I don't it's like so many things in gears you like hold up and then press a what do you do in outriders you have to press space to get into cover, and then you press control with your pinky <laughs> to go over. That is kind of weird. That is kind of weird. weird, yeah. Yeah, to, to flip over. I would rather double tap space. 
But you can't, you can't, it won't allow you to keep buying that. It won't allow you to keep buying it. It'll just break. <laughs> just And so it's awkward. It doesn't feel as good. And like, sometimes you get latched onto cover and going from cover to cover isn't as like slick as Gears is. You know, you have to kind of hold space for uh, too long, I would say. And then you slowly run to it. And then you're kind of stuck into cover for a little bit. And then you have to get out. It's a really, a really sticky cover system. Like you're, you're just like a gum man. And you, you, you just can't get unstuck from all the <laughs> covers. Does the camera do that thing when you sprint where it goes down to your ankles? No, no, it's not quite Gears. There's a lot of little things. That, uh, I'm, I'm remembering back when Gears was first revealed, it was a graphical showcase, but what was almost as big a deal was like the polish and the game feel and how the war journalist cameras, what, what they called it at the time, like it was as much about how the camera moves and how meaty and satisfying the sound effects were than, than it being a, a third person cover shooter with good graphics. 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 I gotta say, the gore in this game is pretty spot on. Like, you pop heads all the time and explode people all the time. It's great. It's great. I do remember some fun stories from the Gears of War developer about how they thought it was too gross to have red blood, so they changed it to black. Did you ever hear anything about that? No. Yeah, um, it was uh, something that the Epic president said one time during a Dragon Con panel, and I, I saw some videos online where that was an answer they were given to a question in a few cons. But yeah, it's... I, 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 I guess that also begs the question, how does it compare to Gears, and does it, like, maybe evoke the grossness that they had felt when they changed it to black? Hmm. Yeah, I never noticed that. At least I haven't. Is it like dark red or is it like straight up black? In Gears of War, the blood color. Let's look up some screenshots. It's like a really dark purpley red. Ah, okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not quite blue, right. uh, red, gore. Yeah. Right, right. But not quite black. That's yeah. a cop out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I do remember them saying that they used to have it a much brighter crimson red, and it was actually causing the developers to get grossed out. Really? Huh. Which is funny, because those games are like total gore porn, too. But like even oh. game developers sometimes have their limits. You can chainsaw a <laughs> dude, man. How desensitized are we? <laughs> So so what what what's what's the the goal what 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 are you what are you chopping off in Outriders? I I, I, I enjoyable time. Even the even the, our Discord community said it was like a, a decent time. Like oh yeah, it's, you know it's a, yeah. it's, a, it's a good good time. Whatever. Like it's not terrible. So because I remember when I was playing the demo, and then someone told me that, so I was like, all right, you know, I keep it in mind. I'll, I'll look out for good co op games to play. Well, what was going on was why you shouldn't buy games at launch because they were having all their server issues and and mm. the best time to get into a game like that is a couple weeks after launch. Yeah. The the one of the hugest reasons why Outriders was so divisive this year is cuz it had a, a Diablo 3 style launch where a, a big enough portion Ooh. of players were getting locked out of the servers to create a media scandal around that. 
Ouch. So you also came into it during a better time than uh, a lot of the opinions that were labeling it as divisive now. Which uh, really sucks, because that's on the permanent internet record now. Yep. yep. Yeah, it does, because yeah. it's not bad. I, I would say if they had the cover system built out, and they cleaned up some of the bosses, it would have been, been pretty decent. And pretty decent. People wouldn't have complained, because there's a lot of other games that are just kind of mediocre that people like. So, <laughs> that just, it, you know, I, I tried Days Gone, and I was just like, why is there so much to do? <laughs> Make me do less for my money. <laughs> I, why is there so much to do? Why is it? Why do I have to clear out every fucking um, um, nest in this area? I just want to play the story. We're going to move to the north anyway. Like the guy keeps talking about moving away. Why do I have to clear the nest? Like, I don't know. I don't want to. I just want to play the story and then move on. God dang. <laughs> There's too much to do in these games. There's too much to do, George. I agree. It's a Skinner box. They they do it to increase the, the playtime, right? Isn't that the uh, this devil selling formula? I, now I understand why Liam doesn't finish games. Liam does not finish games, and I, I'm getting there. I'm getting old, man. I'm getting old, and I just don't want to... I've done it. I've infected you both. Yeah. You're now apathetic. Because it's, it's actually not a bad game. It's actually not bad at all. I'm, but I, I'm but they're so long! They're so long! <laughs> they're so long, dude. And, and so bloody long! So much out of you. I, I did get into Knockout City a bit over the past couple of weeks. Fun. Good time. See? See? Good time. Told it. Told you. But speaking of mediocre things that people still love, whoa, I whoa. wanted to talk about the 1993, uh, what is it, the Jinkle Cut? Um, there's a, a 1993 extended edition director's cut of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Gosh, let me look up the name of the um, director. Yeah, Jankle. It's the Jankle Cut. They released the Jankle Cut. This was a cut of the, the Mario movie that was formerly released on a run of VHS tapes that, if I do have my facts right, uh, was very short-lived and ended up getting lost to the internet. And now what ended up happening is that some fans used uh, the 4K Final Fantasy background up-res algorithms to uh, remaster the frames of this extended edition so that we uh, now have 23 extra minutes of Super Mario Brothers oh, that God. we did not have before. And it is, it is wild. It is so crazy going back to this time where everyone thought that Mario was just going to be a short term holiday shopping toy trend for kids. And the people who had to assemble this movie out of very little and very surreal source material went absolutely fucking crazy with it. And you can absolutely tell that, uh, that whatever illusion Mario movie they're they're going to be coming out with in a couple years is, is just like got to be way more generic and playing it safe than the utter insanity the 1993 Mario movie went through. So from the extended cut, we have a much longer drawn out intro sequence of Mario and Luigi's life as lower income plumbers in Brooklyn. <laughs> And we find out that apparently Mario and Luigi are in trouble with the mob. 
Oh god. <laughs> and they 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 owe money and there's like gangsters chasing them on their way to the sewer. There's a lot of shots of them just like parking a car and getting out like like some exterior establishing shots that got cut out, but also some material that does really really change the pacing of the first chunk of this movie to something way slower to the effect that when they go into dinosaur world and things speed up, it hits you even harder. And it feels a little more deliberate and artistic in that way. There's also a, uh, a, a musical rap sequence in which Toad, who is depicted as a uh, Bob Dylan-esque wandering guitar hippie bard, uh, <laughs> played by a guy named Mojo Nixon. <laughs> Mojo Nixon is the, the musician and actor who plays Toad in uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie. And we get a scene where he does a rap about uh freedom of speech mm -hmm. <laughs> and and the merits of the free marketplace and then uh the the koopa cops come in and arrest him so it like weirdly gets more political from this extended edition cut too like mario is not just saving the 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 princess and the the world from an evil king dictator but he's also like upholding the american dream there's a a, a one really good joke they cut out for some reason i i wonder because it probably wouldn't be so marketable for a kid-friendly family movie but when mario and luigi get arrested by the cops it's also canon now that mario and luigi hate the cops when Mario and Luigi get arrested by the cops along with Toad, Toad's explaining to them the, the, the electoral system where they have all these names on the ballots they can vote for, but they're all Koopa, and Toad says something like, yeah, you can vote for anyone so long as it's King Koopa, and Mario's like, oh, well, what kind of a sham system is that? And the, the reply is, <laughs> democracy, and then it quick cuts to next transition for the punchline. And I can understand why they wouldn't want to put that joke in the kids movie, why they'd want to cut it out. Yeah, no, like I am of the opinion that the 1993 Mario Brothers movie is a good fun time if you are uh, inebriated and have some friends and some drinks. That that incredibly mediocre movie is- Were you inebriated? Did you have friends? I, I was- I was inebriated. I had two to three friends on Discord because one of them ended up dropping out through the process. Because you told him what movie you were watching. No, they wanted to come. There was this big, hilarious Discord exchange where, dude, as soon as this Discord group mentioned that they were planning a Mario movie night, the entire chat just became Mario memes for the next three days straight. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it, it, it was a good, wholesome time. Uh, I, I recommend the, the Mario Brothers Extended Edition Jenkle Cut is available for free on the Internet Archive. Uh, they, <laughs> they edited out all the copyrighted music so that sometimes it just straight up sounds like the characters are underwater. <laughs> It's. It also has the timestamps on the extended edition footage, so you can directly compare what they cut and and think up in your mind why they cut this and whether or not it was it was for for the best in the end. There's a lot of fun stuff going on in this cut, despite as silly and stupid as it is. It was. It was. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, that's all that matters. As long as it's not giving you existential crises, like. Bo Burnham's inside was, I think you're okay.
Well, one thing that it does do that is a bit of an existential crisis is the realization that an 80s movie archetype became the U.S. president for four years. Because King <laughs> Koopa in the Mario Brothers movie absolutely positively is a parody of Donald Trump. Like, they knew it back then. They didn't expect him to be president. But the guy's look, the mannerisms, the way, the way he talks, it is all clearly, clearly inspired by by how ridiculous the real world we ended up inheriting became. <laughs> well, I'm not going to watch it, but good on you, George. <laughs> Giving it a second chance. Oh, this is like the fourth time I've seen this movie, and I swear Holy I... Holy shit. I swear I enjoy it more and more every Jesus. time. <laughs> like, it's such a time capsule. Any attempt at a Mario movie since is gonna be so off base from this and it's also like like it's it's got you know hidden contraband appeal because nintendo will not officially acknowledge its existence and uh the the, the sales were never great the reviews were never great no one really appreciated this movie until 20 years later when you can get drunk with friends and and watch it in a ironic sarcastic meme context and in under those conditions it is a good time are you telling me you've never seen the mario brothers movie a long time ago long long time ago. okay okay your gamer badge and and your gamer <laughs> gun the, the gamer police might might want to come revoke those kids if you've never seen am i not a hashtag gamer if i haven't seen the mario bros movie i i you know i don't i don't want to sound like a gatekeeper or anything but <laughs> no he's become what he feared most and it took a mario movie at least this is i didn't become a self-fulfilling prophecy of evil movie villains becoming real politicians yet mm, good point good point maybe you'll just become an evil podcast villain i mean with the 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 aliens on the way anything could happen oh, they could geez. give me technology and I that's could what build it's a gonna be isn't it? you're base. gonna be so disappointed by the fact that aliens don't exist that you will create some sort of hoax that envelops the entire planet they're statistically likely to so long as people don't blow themselves up in the process, it's supposed to happen eventually one of these millennia, right? Well, who knows? Maybe the idea that they've visited us before is actually the inverse, and we are the people who will visit other alien species first. And we're actually the ones who are so far ahead in the technology race, and we will be the ones to visit them first. That's if we don't kill each other. That would be cool. I'm down with that. Yeah. That would be cool. If we're actually the ones who actually, we made that theory up, but we happen to actually be the ones who influence other alien civilizations by being the first to arrive there. So put my brain in a jar. That would be, uh, you know, squeaky clean, ideal, uh, less complicated than, than, than them making the first contact. But <laughs> I could just imagine landing on the planet and the first contact, Captain Starlog, George Reedman. Today, I made contact with the alien race. I handed them one of Earth's most precious items, the director's cut of the Super Mario Bros. movie with 23 <laughs> additional extra minutes of footage. They don't know what will hit them. They will understand more about our gamer culture that has enveloped the entire world by watching this movie. If the aliens come, I really, really would love to watch a bunch of bad movies with them. <laughs> Next, we're watching The Room. Oh, God. Dude, they would think that like like uh, the the old Ed Wood. Oh God, what's that movie where it has the intro where he's talking about how these future events will occur in the future in the very 
un unknowable future. Uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. I would watch Plan 9 from Outer Space, Super Mario Brothers, and The <laughs> Room like with the aliens. Such a fake movie. Because <laughs> uh, then they would get to see what humans thought aliens would be like. Then they would get to see aliens pretending to be humans. Then they would get to see humans just having the time of their life making money in a Hollywood studio. <laughs> Which is basically all three layers of the human condition that uh, would 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 reflect all of our our cultures and ambitions for you know the uh, an, an outsider's perspective. That's fair. I would like to see them react. I would like to see a YouTube video of an alien yes. reacting to what humans thought aliens would look like. <laughs> aliens react to aliens. aliens. React to aliens. Oh, I can imagine there were aliens being that like, you were racist pieces of shit. This is what you thought we acted like. This is what you thought we were like the whole time. Mm. Motherfuckers. Mm. Yeah, but you know. Well, until that day, or until the US government lets one of them loose. They might just be able to like zap us if we get too offensive. So maybe we should be laying off on the alien racism for movies in the future. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, guys, we got any more small talk topics or shall we shall we trudge? Throw on? the aliens in the bin and move on to more important gamer news. I'm telling mm -hmm. you, any mm -hmm. week now, mm -hmm. any week now, it's like an apocalypse cult that keeps its members immersed by constantly promising a deadline for a big event that doesn't come. <gasps> Let's move on to the news. Liam, you wanted to talk about the Itchio Palestinian aid bundle. I just wanted to bring attention to it, really. Yes. I think it's an important news. Because it's almost hit half a million dollars already. Um, you guys will know last year there was the racial justice bundle from itch.io where a whole bunch of creators got together and donated their games to a giant bundle you could buy for $5 and it had like 700 games in it. Well, the wonderful Alana from Toad House Games has created a Palestine support bundle that has almost hit half a million on itch.io. But this time... Not just 700 games. You can get over a thousand games for five dollars, including games like uh, Minute, Disc Room, uh, VVV, Babber is You, Moon Hunters. Uh, lots, like pretty much any of the big indie games you can think of will be in that bundle, including Curse to Golf, which is also in there. Um, so you'll get that alongside all of the actual really good video games that you want to play. But there is over a thousand games. It's exactly the same as the racist, uh, racial justice. Bundle. The racist bundle. <laughs> I can't say racial and justice next to each other fast, <laughs> but it's almost hit 500,000. There's only a couple of days left. So maybe by the time you hear this, you can't actually do it, but I hope you've done it. But it's an incredible thing to see once again, the indie game community coming together, not only creators of their games offering to, for them to be free in this bundle, but also, hashtag gamers coming out in droves to buy, purchase this to support it. It's been really quite amazing to see. But yeah, itch.io, man. What a great place to buy games. Buy games from itch. But yeah, Curse to Golf is also in there. So you can play Curse to Golf for free, which you already can do. But It also includes some soundtracks and comics yeah, and books. Yeah, it's got everything. It's got a whole host of like, if you're an indie game creator and you want um, assets, you can. It's got 2D assets, 3D assets. It's got music. It's got everything. The soundtracks. You can play so many great games in there as well. I I, I think these books are really interesting. They are like uh, long form essays on PT and Kirby and Undertale, 
written by a former editor of Gama Sutra and Silicon Era, Joel Kocher. If you if you like reading uh if you like reading Super Bunny Hop esque, if you like reading. Well, you know, like like introspective, <laughs> long form, thoughtful yeah. essays on video games and, um, and the artistry. There's a great cute game in that in bundle you should download called Pull Frog, <laughs> which is the idea of a game of Tetris, but you're a frog that moves around the Tetris board and then pulls the Tetris pieces into the blocks. And it's really cute. Curse the Golf. Curse the Golf also happens to be in the bundle. Don't know who made that game. What a wonderful human being that person must yeah, be. Yeah. But yeah. it's in there. Actually, it's had like a thousand downloads in the past couple of days because of this bundle. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> but you should. It's almost about to hit $500,000, which is amazing. Um, 52,000 people have donated money to it. We can do really good things. Gaming can be a terrible place sometimes because of the bigger picture of the industry. But, you know, when we pull ourselves together, we are stronger. Apes stronger together. <laughs> <laughs> George, did you see that meme the other day about the password thing? Just on apes for a second. The password thing? Oh, there was this great picture. It was like an ape Twitter account that it was like a change password. And it was like new password. And it was just ape. And it said weak password. And then oh, he put oh, ape, oh, ape, oh, ape, 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 ape. it, it said it. strong password. Ape strong together. Oh, <laughs> I honestly couldn't stop laughing at it for like 10 minutes. It's so <laughs> funny. So speaking of <laughs> of the broader picture of the video game industry, uh, uh, chewing some people's souls up and spitting them out, Yuji Naka is not having a good year. Yuji Naka has announced on Twitter that he is actually contemplating retiring at 55 after the release of Balan Wonderland. Is it bad to laugh, Liam? Yes. I don't know. It's... It was know. a bad game. <laughs> it, was bad. it was, but at the same time, I mean, history always could have gone slightly different. Oh, it, it's just like, no, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up, the man. Thing, the thing is, like, I was, I saw a lot of this, like, when it was announced, and, like, so many people, and I, I honestly want to punch so many faces of people who said he was fired. Wait, what? For because Balan Fun wasn't successful. Because the immediate, the immediate thought is that the company would fire him after it not being successful, <laughs> which is very true in maybe American or Western culture. But in Japan, people don't get fired. People don't get fired. He obviously joined Square Enix not that long ago. He's quite a large name. He obviously has a lot of money himself. And it was a project with them together. It makes a lot of sense that he would leave after it's not su successful anyway. But I feel like the I might retire is more of a reflection on not leaving Square Enix, but more of a reflection on probably how he's disappointed about how the game turned out. Yeah. I don't think you see a lot of Japanese people, especially Japanese creators, admit something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is quite yeah. sad to see. He's only 55 in Japan, to oh, be honest. Man. He's quite young. You, um, you put some perspective on that, and now I feel sad. That sucks, because because I mean it's it's a team, right? Like it's probably and also this is the other frustrating part, right? Is he would never reveal, and no one would ever know yeah. why Balan Wonderland turned out the way it would. It did. Is it a combination of okay, maybe Yuji Naka is not so great at making games anymore, but he had like a team of like a hundred people helping make this game. Right? Is it the Square Enix internal staff that also were not very good? A hundred people. 
people. I think it's probably going to have been around about that, all in total. I think probably a core team of 30, I would say, due to what the game. And I haven't played it, but, like, I mean, you see enough. Like, it's hard it's not a bad to game. see enough. I have no desire to play it. You Like, no desire. Yeah. When you see such critical things that every game creator sort of looks at and is like, how did that make it in there? You think there were probably things out of his control that he just could not control like that. There was no, there was nothing he could do about it. And then you think that's probably down to Square Enix, like to be honest. And then you're like, well, the only solution is that he probably leaves because it was not a great environment for him to make games, but he's also disappointed with the outcome of how the game comes out. I mean, it's sad. Yeah, that's that's what I read out of it was that like, it, it looks to me from an outsider perspective, full admission, that like Square Enix chewed this guy up and spat him out. That quite well, I don't think he was fired, honestly, but I think you're right. I think he probably was left with no choice. Yeah, I, I do not mean to insinuate that. Yeah, but- yeah. Yeah, but the fact know. that people did that immediately was so infuriating. But yeah, there was probably no choice. But we won't know. There was a great tweet thread the other day. I don't know who it was by, but it was about why bad games get released. And I remember being shouted at when I was 20 by Danny O'Dwyer, of all people, <laughs> about a bad game being released. And I was like, why did they release it? Because I didn't quite understand or grasp why you would release a bad game. There are just so many contributing factors as to why. You run out of money. The publisher doesn't give a shit as long as they can recoup the costs. There's so many reasons as to why games turn out bad. Like, nobody wants to make a bad game, but things run away from you, and then this happens. It also seems like their strategy with this game was to very deliberately market it on Sonic Nostalgia. The characters look like Sonic characters. They got Yuji yeah. in there. with, But it only um, sold 2,000 copies in the entire of Japan. And I've got to admit, whoa. that is absolutely an abysmal. Abysmal. Oshima there. And it, it seemed like he was just kind of backed into a corner with this project to work on something that is fundamentally different from the Sonic games he was making 20 going 30 years ago, where he would have had so much smaller of a team working underway, completely different hardware environment. It's weird because, of course, there was a budget behind this game. The cutscenes in it are all computer generated CG rendered cutscenes. That are, they have musical segments <laughs> and pieces. And yeah, like these weird. are big, huge expensive things. So they started out with the intention of like, this is going to be a franchise. This is going to be a big thing for us. Ooh, ooh, that stings even worse. Yeah. But then also you think about the idea on paper of the idea of this, these different costumes you turn into for platforming. Sounds like a great idea, right? You think of Cappy and Mario and that sort of hint of changing 64, but they just, the execution was poor. And, there's no excusing some of the other stuff that was in it, like the photo uh, epileptic issues that were happening. Stuff that got through QA, but that's like, how did Square Enix? That's not a Yuji Naka problem. That's a, that's a, how the fuck did Square Enix let that go? Because I feel like Square Enix did what publishers do, which is they knew the writing was on the wall for that product. They didn't care. They didn't want to spend any money finishing it up. And they just launched it out the door to save some costs. Because they knew they were never going to re that. I would uh, give an example of, of my own work. Like um, when, when, when we're working on for like, you would consider like a big client, right? Like 
you would think, you would think they want things a certain way. You want they, you would think they want things clean, shot well, but the people that they hire or the people who are with them, giving us creative direction on what to edit, how to how to edit the interviews and stuff like that, sometimes is not really good. Yeah. At all. And they ask you to do some things that just make the video look like shit. And we have to find a way to either try to tell them, be like, hey, I think this would look better. What do you think about this? You know, like kind of sugarcoat it and like kind of just caress them over to this. It can't really work in game design because you have a time limit. Well, I mean, we have time limit, but like, like you can't just build, rebuild a game. No, you I can't. Can, I can re-edit a video. And that's the problem is two, twofold. Is publishers either step in and they do stupid stuff like that where they don't trust you. Oh, the other side is they give you too much free reign and it's because they just trust in you to do a good job. They've paid for you or hired you, especially in Yuji Naka's case, to be Yuji Naka, right? Do your thing because we don't know how to do it. So we are trusting you with our money to do it. And then therefore you're like, whoa, wait, hang on a second. I, I need you to tell me what you want and then I'll make it for you. And then you're kind of in this nether zone of like, uh-oh, <laughs> I need some direction here. I don't know. It just didn't work, did it? It didn't, it didn't work out. It's all gone pear shape. Correct me if I'm wrong. Enlighten me with the trivia. But Yuji Naka's primary role was also programmer rather than designer. Well, he wouldn't have been the sole programmer or something like this, I think. And if he was, that already is a huge problem. <laughs> yeah, that's that's another <laughs> thing that kind of looks fishy with how they used his name and his marketing and the Sonic nostalgia is that he was doing the 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 the, the coding. Well, that's the because he wasn't exactly rather. the Sonic creator. Like the way Sonic looks wasn't Yuji Naka, right? Yuji Naka's idea was Sonic, but he was the guy who programmed him. Wasn't the guy who designed the drawing of Sonic? Oh, God. Who was it? Who was it? Naoto Oshima. Yeah, okay. When you look up Sonic the Hedgehog on Wikipedia, it says programmer Yuji Naka and artist Oshima are generally credited with creating Sonic. It's weird because Yuji Naka really hasn't made that many games, to be honest, right? He kind of picks and chooses what he wants to do. But there was a game he made on the Wii, and I think that came out on the Wii U that was like all over the place, but was actually a pretty fun game. It was called like... And it was a platformer and it was like, it was called like Rodia or something or Rod yeah, Rodia or something. And it was actually pretty fun. It was like a, this Wii based game where you use the motion control and it was, that was also marketed exactly the same as Balan Wonderland. Rodia the Sky Soldier. It yeah. is, uh, oh, <laughs> it's sitting on a 45 on Metacritic though. So Ooh, I guess you're in the minority not, it, for... It, it, yeah, it wasn't a bad game though. I think there were two versions. I think there was a DS version and a and a and a Wii version. And one of them was uh, yeah. Metacritic doesn't have a score for the Wii version, but the user score is a lot better than the user score for the Wii U version. That might be the the what I just looked up here. Doesn't seem like he has the best of track records, really. But you know, I don't know. He still made Sonic, but it's sad. It's sad. He's you know he's a guy. He's done. He could have just made Sonic and retired, but you know, no one can ever take that away from him. Well, Sega tried to dampen that spirit in the past 20 <laughs> years. Um, but yeah, I think it's sad. Yeah. Go, Matt. Go like Sonic. Get out of here. Go like the wind. All right, dudes. See you guys later. Bye, Matt. It was a pleasure.
one question sent to us uh, to our, our inbox at dadandsonspodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. I love this question so much because it is about what I am engaging with right now with the, the aliens and the conspiracy hole. Oh, no. Uh, Stepsonus S asks, well, they, they tell a story first and then they ask a question. <clears throat> I bought Firewatch a couple years ago on a sale and proceeded to stay up until 4 a.m. because I couldn't put it down. I've always been aware of the discussion around the game's disappointing ending, including the non-spoiler parts of Gorg's review, but I kept an open mind and I came out with a completely opposite opinion. I loved the way the game wrapped up. However, I think this is mostly because I played it for the first time in 2021, which is a very different time compared to February of 2016 when the game originally came out. The way the game's story unraveled towards the end to me seemed like a masterful way of showing how hard it can be to escape a conspiratorial way of thinking. All three characters, Henry, Delilah, and the player, who uh, they also refer to as a player, as, as a character in this thing, Run wild, thinking there must be something crazy going on, and when you find the truth, all of you are deflated and disappointed, like what's going to happen in the Alien Report next week. But shouldn't you feel glad things weren't as bad as they seemed? Some of us humans get trapped in terrible fantasies about reality and cannot come out of them because the alternative is so mediocre. And the myriads of disappointed Firewatch fans kind of prove that point. The dystopia we live in is boring. Have any of you ever interpreted a game very differently during a later replay due to a shift in your worldview, or viewed a game differently when playing it late due to a shift in social context? Huh. Oh my god, I have, I have... Come on, George, tell it okay. to me. I, did this happen to you, Liam, when you hit your late 20s, and you started noticing that you were older than most of the characters in the media, including all the ones who die off all the time? Um... Maybe not in Western media so much, but I definitely noticed watching anime and stuff like that, that I was far older than most anime characters now. And therefore, all of my heroes that I'd looked up to when I was younger, Goku, rest in peace, were all dead. And I, and I can now long, no longer be strong and like them. Did it like uh, retroactively change your, your opinion of the, 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 the qualities the show represented? No, not necessarily, because I've never really taken that kind of stuff seriously. But I don't, I don't know if it changed my worldview so much. What did change with me is that once I noticed that I was outliving a lot of media characters who die, like my my opinion on on violence has is not what it was when I was a child at all. Like if anything, it might have completely flipped. Like I am, I am as hardcore a gamer, you know, as any idiot on YouTube. Yeah. But I totally would piss off my childhood self if I told them, you know, it's kind of really stupid how violence is your primary interaction in all these games, how they take themselves so seriously, even though you're killing hundreds of people to no consequence, how you're supposed to like heroes who, who snap other characters neck like that's not self-defense. I don't think you're allowed to do that in actual wars. I don't think you're allowed to do solid snake stuff of shooting people in their sleep in the barracks camps. I feel like that's a lot less justifiable the older I get and the longer I end up living past a lot of the people's lifespans I'm killing in video games. Hmm. I don't know, because I've always kind of looked at media and not really thought about that. I have had issues with like sport in real life where the majority of sport people peak in their mid-20s and then it's always referred to as a downward slope. After that, and then when I got to like 27, 28, and they talk about soccer players in the context of like, oh man, he's coming towards the end of his career. And I'm like, holy mother oh of God, God, what the shit? 
Mm, yeah, that, like that happens in games with your reflexes. Like, like you start to feel things being a little like, like you see them with your eyeballs, but your fingers just do not tap as fast as they used to in reaction to it. And you know what's happening and it feels bad. It feels so bad. Yeah. Yeah. My own personal development and the ages that I've reached and the like overwhelming amount of repetitive violence I've endured over all those years on my television screens absolutely has 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 changed but i also do feel like deus ex is a great example of a game whose story and and themes and and the politics explored is is completely different than in 1999 when it was a a fun sci-fi fantasy now it's like oh this is a cultural relic of a lot of problems they accurately predicted were gonna happen when when they were making the game they probably thought we would have thought this shit through by now yeah i definitely look at more more human stories in media these days and reflect on my own age and my standing in life but games don't touch on those subjects very often i still um we've talked about this on the podcast i still don't think games write good stories for the most part honestly the narrative conflicts with video game therefore the ability to talk about really intense emotional stories that reflect on human you know psyche is hard in video games because a lot of them have to just play onto power fantasy, which is not something human beings actually experience. You know, going back to that anime idea of like, well, I grew up on anime. I wanted to do certain things. Other media, certainly stuff that I watch sometimes. I think we've, you know, we've talked about it with Bo Burnham today, but I think games still have a long way to go to really make me think stuff like that. I do think the initial question of like looking Interest. I think humans are always looking towards the, the negatives and always looking for the worst case scenario in every situation. I touched on it last week um, regarding like mental uh, health anxiety and stuff like that. Like you're always expecting the worst, the worst, uh, you know, and that can be really tough to logically overcome. I find that games offer a ability to pull yourself away from that kind of thing and then maybe think that everything's not all so bad. So I wouldn't really want games to be like always doing stuff where, you know, it's, it's miserable and that sort of stuff. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't think games are mature enough, really, to be honest, right now. We're getting there, slowly. It's taking too fucking long, my friend. But we're not, they're not mature enough to answer questions like this, I think. I, I think one interesting thing going on with Firewatch as an example here in particular is that the state of the world has changed the way the game gets received. In uh, history, you have examples of classic books like The Great Gatsby and Moby Dick that were panned on launch that did not find success until the deaths of the original authors kicked in. One of the, the reasons why is, is Great Gatsby was... Um, Distributed for free to American soldiers in World War II. And it's a book about how the Roaring Twenties were morally decadent and corrupt and would have led to some kind of disaster. That did not resonate with people in the 20s, but it did in the 30s and the 40s during World War II. And so what ended up happening with Firewatch is that you had this game about a story about characters getting caught up in the conspiratorial mindset, but it was released before the world went crazy from everyone going from a conspiratorial mindset. And so now when you go back and play Firewatch from this point in history forever more, you're going to see a hell of a lot more dots connecting it to the real world than back in 2016. Yeah. And I think that's that's really, really cool and a uh, 
profound example of how games can think ahead of their time about problems that may be coming a few years later. Yeah, I understand. Um, I still wish we had more mature elements. I think yeah. like games like Yakuza 7 touch on that kind of thing sometimes nicely because it's it, it feels so real, but from an from a standpoint that's maybe not a human standpoint, but a cultural standpoint, of course it's about Japan, but there are human elements to it that I understand maybe more than other people do because I live in Japan. So but it's not the like frame a of fully reference. yeah, it's not like a fully contextual yeah. human element that you can relate to. Um well what's always like so romantically compelling to me is how your frame of reference of how you see the world determines your reality. And that's yeah. the frame of reference that the characters in Firewatch were going down. It's the frame of reference that a viewer playing Firewatch is going to have going through it. And uh, that that is a really, really important thing to always keep in mind when uh, when thinking how information does information and entertainment and media really does change people in terms of changing their frame of reference, which has an influence on how your eyeballs are processing reality. Like if you see mysterious glowing lights in the woods at night, you might also see a gray alien in the corner of your eye. That's not actually there. That's just your brain filling in the blanks of a spooky situation. Yeah. With the material you grew up on to expect in that kind of situation. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. We can get there. We can be, I, I think if you ask us this question again in like two or three years, I think maybe there'll be more. And more ability to answer stuff like this. You know who's not going to be carrying the torch for emotional, intense, mature storytelling and gaming in three years? You know who's who's made that their career but is totally getting chewed up and spat away right now? Who's that? David fucking Cage! Yeah, man's not covering himself in glory, is he? Nope. Our friend David Cage. Yeah, whoever whoever carries that torch is not gonna be him from here on out. Give it to, to supermassive games or someone. They 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 deserve another break. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for <laughs> for uh, accompanying to, to the end for one question, Liam. Retroactive thanks for Matt for showing up for whatever little time he had to spare today. So good to have Matt back. Thanks everybody for joining us. Thank you to Ryan Lafford for our theme song. Thank you to Henry Ng for the video background. Come join us in our Patreon Discord. Sign up to the Patreon. Make us rich so we can buy NFTs. Good night, Wisconsin. Ah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>